Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, I'm glad that it's been a fun day uh, seeing everybody fill up this room, sitting at all the tables, having to get extra tables uh, really is a joy. Um, for everyone who doesn't know me, uh, my name is Warren. Uh, I help out with College Group. Uh, and I really hope that everyone here has uh, made some friends uh, over, uh, I almost said lunch, I guess brunch, breakfast. I really hope you know the people at your table because we're doing things a bit differently today. Uh, since it is a together at 10 and since everyone is at their table groups, uh, I thought it'd be really fun if we spent some time uh, not just listening to me talk for 30 minutes and call it a day, uh, but I'm going to talk a little bit. We're going to have some small group discussion, talk a little bit more, more small group discussion. So I hope you uh, are feeling tight-knit with your table because you're about to be spending some time talking together. <laughs> if you want to switch tables, now's your chance. <laughs> Um, but today we're going to be looking at uh, a really well-known passage from Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, in your bulletin, you might have already seen the title, but it's the armor of God. Um, and even if you don't know much about uh, the Bible, you might have heard of this passage. And in, in Ephesians 6, it, it covers these different items that are these metaphorical items that God has given us and equipped us with uh, in order to stand against uh, sin and temptation. Um, there's a lot of different uh, pastors who have spoken on why we need armor, what is the purpose of this armor that we put on, things like that. Um, and so I'm not going to cover that today. I'm not going to tell you why you need your armor. Let's just start with the assumption that we need it, right? Um, and if you really want to spend time on your own looking at why we need it, uh, verses 10 through 13 give a good explanation of that if you want to read that on your own after church today. Uh, but instead, I want to look at what each piece of the armor is, what it symbolizes, where it comes from, and how we put it on. Uh, also, as just a little disclaimer, I'm going out of the order that it's originally written in the Bible. Uh, sorry about that. I, I just think things pair a little bit better for what I'm trying to say if we go slightly out of order. So if, if we go, hey, we're talking about the shield of faith, when really that's not what's next in line, that's why. Sorry. <laughs> um, the reason that I'm going out of order a little bit is because as I was kind of looking at this and as I was reading this passage, I kind of came to the realization that there's really three categories to the pieces of armor listed here. Um, the first is armor we have to prepare. Uh, then there's armor that we ourselves wear. Uh, and then the final one is the armor we use to share. Uh, you know it must be true because all three of them rhymed. I wanna give a shout out to my wife for helping me come up with those rhymes because I definitely could not have thought of that on my own. We were sitting there in bed and we are like, how do we get this to sound good? Let's make it rhyme. So it rhymes so it has to be true. Um, but let's go ahead and read the passage first, and then we'll get into the armor that we have to prepare. So starting in uh, verse 14, Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts, or arrows, of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So, first of all, uh, we'll start with the armor that we have to prepare in order for it to be useful and beneficial to us. 
the first of these is the belt of truth. Uh, now, in ancient time, uh, the belt, and even today, I mean, it's not just ancient times, but you don't commonly think of a belt as being a piece of armor. If, uh, if I walked into battle with this belt that I have on now and someone came at me with a sword, this wouldn't do much good protecting me, right? It's just a thin strap of leather. Uh, so what's going on here? Why is this listed in the necessary armor that we have? Uh, well, uh, if you have an older Bible, some translations might translate this as, gird up your loins with the belt of truth. Uh, see, in biblical times, uh, men were, lived in a culture where they wore these long robes, these long tunics that came all the way to their feet. Uh, and these robe tunics, uh, while they were very good for the cultural environment that they were in, you know, in the Middle East it gets really hot, and so having that airflow is really good for circulating that heat. Uh, but it's not very useful when it comes to things like running or jumping or fighting. Uh, so when it came time for action, what you would do is you would bunch up uh, the pieces of your robe and tunic and you'd tuck them into your belt. And I actually found online a really helpful graphic that explains how to do this. So if you're ever in a situation... <laughs> if, I found this online. I don't know who made it or why they made it, but if you ever find yourself in a position where you need to gird up your loins, here's an easy how-to. Here's an easy how-to guide on how to do it. Now, you'll notice that they tie it right there, uh, but another way to do it, and a more sturdy way to do it that they would use in the army in a quicker way was tucking it into your belt. Um, and so that's kind of the idea that Paul is getting at here, that we Truth is what holds us together, and truth is what allows us to move freely without getting tripped up, especially if we consider the cultural reason that they wore the long tunic. It avoids us getting tripped up in our cultural bias. It, it avoids us getting tripped up in what we see around us in the world. It girds up uh, all that. Um, this is something you have to prepare for before the battle starts. You don't walk up to the front line and then say, hey, uh, hold up just a second. <laughs> let, me, let me gird up my loins real quick, and then we can start sword fighting. <laughs> no enemy is going to pause and, and wait for you to do that. You know, in ancient times, they didn't have Twitter. They didn't have anything they could check while you gird up your loins, right? <laughs> Any enemy that you encounter isn't going to do that. Um, so we have to prepare it beforehand. And, and it's not just we're preparing beforehand with my truth truth or my subjective experience. There's a very particular truth that Paul is telling us here we have to gird ourselves up with. Um, you see, Paul is quoting from earlier in Isaiah, and it's, it's there in your bulletin. Um, and if we could pull up that verse, that'd be great. Uh, but we see earlier in Isaiah that the truth we wrap ourselves in, the truth that we're given, is the truth that Jesus himself wears as a belt. In Isaiah, uh, Isaiah writes, righteousness will be like his belt, talking about Jesus, and faithfulness, the sash around his waist. Uh, our truth is rooted in two things, right? Um, one, the character of the one who only speaks truth, his, his righteousness, right? God, Jesus' character uh, and his consistency. We know that he will keep those promises. That's faithfulness, right? And so those things are our truth. And that's what we wrap ourselves with. And that's what we remind ourselves is truth. And that keeps us from stumbling. That keeps us from falling. That keeps us from uh, being deceived uh, in whatever moment we're in uh, and keeps us ready for battle. Uh, connected to this idea uh, is the shield of faith. Uh, 
Um, sorry that I'm going out of order from the, from, the, from the verses, but I gave that disclaimer earlier, so. <laughs> uh, connected to that idea is the shield of faith, right? Because it's one thing to know something that's true intellectually, and it's an entirely different thing to put your trust in what you know is true. In Ephesians, Paul mentions that the shield acts as a defense against flaming arrows or flaming darts. These flaming arrows are particularly dangerous because they're sharp, they're fast, and they're engulfing. Doubt and temptation is like that. That's what these flaming arrows are like. They're sharp, and so even the tiniest gap in your armor, they come in and hit quick, right? They're fast. You know, temptation doesn't wait until you're ready. It springs up at a moment's notice when you least expect it. And it's engulfing. We, we looked at the story of David a couple of weeks ago, um, and you can see how quickly sin doesn't stay isolated to one place. It doesn't just stay in one area, and then the rest of your life you can be fine. It's like a flaming arrow. Once that spark catches fire, it spreads throughout the rest of your body. So doubt and temptation, those flaming arrows that get shot at us, is really powerful. But see, that's why we have this shield of faith. Or more accurately, we have a shield that we can put our faith in. If we look at that verse from Psalm 91 that should be in your bulletin, uh, we read, uh, he, talking about God, he will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find your refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. His faithfulness, God himself, is our shield to us. Um, it's not our faith or the strength of our conviction that protects us, rather the one we put our faith in. When we, when we learn to put our faith in God, when we learn to trust him, we're protected from doubt and temptation. Uh, when we learn to obey his word, even when we don't feel like it, even when we don't see a reason for it, when we put our faith in that what he has said is good, we block a lot of the pain that comes from temptation and sin. When we learn to trust him as our first reaction, even when we doubt his goodness, even when we doubt that he's still working in our lives, we save ourselves uh, a lot of the pain that comes from fear and doubt. God is willing to be our faithful shield. The question is, are we going to put our faith in him and let him take those arrows of death intended for us? So, with these two pieces of armor in mind, I have some discussion questions uh, that I want you to talk about at your table. We'll take like five minutes to talk about these. Uh, but yeah, go ahead and talk about these questions at your table, and we'll come back after that.
All righty. Well, I hope everyone, I hope everyone had some good table discussion. I really hate to break up conversation, but there are four other pieces of armor we have to go through, so. <laughs> you know, after I'm done talking, no one says you have to go straight home after church. So if you're having really good discussion, put a pin in it and maybe come back to it after, after we finish up here. Um, but the next pieces of armor I want to talk about are the ones that we wear. And there's a slight difference here because the prepare armor, you know, you, you gird up your loins, you pick up the piece of tuning, you tuck them in. You know, you have a shield. Shield's not going to do any good if you're just swinging your arm. You know, you get hit right away. You got you to prepare it and hold it up, move it around, right? You prepare with it. Um, but these next ones are the pieces of armor that we wear. And that's really critical because even when we are not prepared, even when we mess up, those pieces of armor still protect us. Um, because let's face it, sometimes we don't gird up our loins and we, we trip and we fall and we lie flat on our butt and you know the enemy can, can take those shots, easy shots with those arrows, right? Or sometimes we're just walking along, swinging our shield along, not even paying attention, and we get hit out of nowhere. Um, those hits are going to hurt. It's going to hit you in, in your arm or your leg in really painful places, but because of these next two pieces of the armor, it's not going to be a fatal blow. It's not going to and the believer. And these pieces of armor are the breastplate of righteousness and the helmet of salvation. And like the belt of truth, this isn't something Paul just made up on his own. He wasn't just sitting there at his desk being, you know what would be really cool? A breastplate of righteousness. That sounds like a great band name. Uh, (laughs) Paul didn't just come up with this on his own. He's actually pulling from earlier in scripture. And I think Paul must have been a huge fan of Isaiah because we actually see this uh, in your bulletins. There's that verse there uh, where God is talking about what his armor that he wears is. Uh, God clothes himself in his own righteousness as a breastplate and his helmet of salvation. And if we're trying to understand the armor of God and how it applies to us, I think that's really critical for us to understand a lot of times we have this idea that, that God bought this mass produced. He went to Walmart and he picked up an armor of God set. Uh, if you ever had little kids, you know what I'm talking about? You go to a Christian store and you got those like plastic armor of God sets. You got that plastic shield that's got the big red cross on it. Do you know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about. Um, we have this idea that God gave us some armor uh, and he told us to polish it, keep it clean and, and you know, do well with it. And I always had this idea as a little kid in church, like, man, I'm going to suit up with my armor of God, and I'm going to go fight a bunch of demons, and I'm going to go win the battle. Uh, But really, it's not like that. The armor of God isn't about me fighting sin. It's about me coming alongside God as he fights sin. God didn't give us some armor that was mass-produced in a Walmart. He gave us his very own uh, armor, his holy hand-me-downs, if you will, right? This is his armor that he's giving to us to wear. So what do I mean by that? Well, let's start with the breastplate of righteousness, because it's not our own righteousness that keeps us safe. Remember in Isaiah, it said, God wears his righteousness as a breastplate. If it were up to us, if it were up to our righteousness to keep us safe, we'd all be dead. Arrow through the heart, right there, boom, right? It's like that plastic, plastic armor you buy from Walmart, right? Um, rather, it's because God is righteous, because he is holy, because his breastplate never fails, and he's given that to us, that's why we're protected, and that's why we're safe. In the Bible, a lot of times, 
the devil is called the accuser, right? Because he loves to bring guilt and shame on the believer, trying to stir up condemnation, trying to wear us down with those accusations. But because of God's righteousness, we're safe. I really love what Romans 8, 1 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, there is now no condemnation. Guilt and shame can hurt when they hit us. And they can hit us in the arm, they can hit us in the leg, but it's never gonna go through our heart. It's never gonna be lasting because we're clothed in the righteousness of God. There's no condemnation for those who believe. Similarly, the, the helmet of salvation isn't something we work out for ourselves. It isn't something that we earn for ourselves. Uh, rather, it's the change in spirit that God has worked in us. Uh, the helmet, when you think about where it's located, protects your head. And your head is where your brain processes and everything comes together. Uh, it affects everything. Uh, salvation isn't just a change in your spiritual status. It's a change in your mind and who you are and how you, how you think and see and speak. This is important because the, the enemy will often use despair as a powerful tool to blind us. When we fall into despair, we lose hope, and we fail to see anything good that God is doing around us. We lose sight of his will and his plan. We're like a soldier who's lost contact with the general. We, we don't know what we're doing. We're, we're in the muck, and we, we can't get what's going on. But that's where the helmet of salvation comes in so handy. The hope that salvation gives us keeps our mind aflame with hope. As the Holy Spirit works in us to change our perspective, change how we see the world, change how we think about the world, we're told to work with the Spirit, to not resist Him, and let Him transform us by the renewal of our minds. That's what Romans 12, 2 says, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but instead be transformed by the renewal of your minds. When we allow the Holy Spirit to alter our minds, to sanctify our minds, we see the world as he sees it, and it should well up in us hope. This new gospel perspective of hope keeps us from the despair and futility that we encounter in the world. And those promises of hope are always there, even when we're unfaithful, when we're disobedient, when we trip on our robes, when we, we don't pull up our shield fast enough. It's always there no matter what we do. Once God gives a hand-me-down, he doesn't take it back. We can have confidence to fight off hopelessness and despair because if our hope is in God, then it doesn't matter how good we are. It doesn't depend on us. Like the belt of truth reminds us, our hope is in the character and faithfulness of God, not in ourselves. Our sins cannot disinherit us from the promise of hope given to us by the helmet of salvation. So these two pieces of mind, uh, these two worn armors, this armor that you wear, keep that in mind as we go into the next group discussion time. Uh, we'll give another five minutes. Uh, go ahead and talk through these questions with your group.
Alrighty. I hate to do it. I, I really hate to be that guy. <laughs> Just step in and be like, all right, time's up. I love being on the other side of these kind of situations where I'm at the table and I'm talking and I always feel frustrated when whoever's up front is starts talking. I'm like, who are you? Why do you think this is a good time to stop? I was just making my point. So if someone was just making your point, I really apologize for having to butt in like this. Um, I hate doing it. So we've talked about our first line of defense, the prepare stuff, right? The, the things that keeps us from tripping and the things that keep us from the pain of sin, right? Uh, and we've talked about our second line of defense, uh, the things that keep us, uh, yes, sin will still sting and st sin will still hurt, but it's not going to kill us. It's not going to destroy us. It's not going to crush us, right? Um, so next we're moving away from defense and we're looking at what God gives us on the offensive, uh, and you might have heard it said before that the, the sword of the spirit is the only offensive weapon in our arsenal. And while that's partially true, um, I would venture to suggest, uh, I'm going out on a limb here, that the shoes we're told to put on are just as important to our offensive strategy against the enemy. Uh, when we're talking about the, the armor of God, we're not talking about going out and fighting other people. Um, earlier in Ephesians, uh, in, these, in the same chapter, Paul talks about the power that we're fighting is, is the darkness in the world. And so uh, as we talk about this offensive, I don't want you to use this as an opportunity to take your Bible and go thump someone on the head and be like, oh, you're uh, of a different political party. Thump. <laughs> right? That's, that's not who we're fighting here. This is fighting against sin in our own lives and the darkness out there in the world. Um, and that doesn't come from uh, people. So, um, the shoes that we're wearing, right? <laughs> um, we're not told that we're just going to sit back, defend the castle, and, and let everyone else out there sort out their problems. Rather, we're commanded as believers to go out and carry the good news of Christ, right? Sharing the gospel is a march into enemy territory, uh, and we must be prepared with the proper shoes to carry out this mission. It's hard work, but that's why we're given encouragement in Isaiah uh, 52, where God says, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet, and I would say feet equipped with the right shoes, uh, the feet of those who bring good news, those who proclaim peace, who bring glad tidings, who proclaim to the Savior, your God reigns. Um, I, like I said, Paul must have really liked Isaiah because every piece of the armor he's talking about seems to have some sort of Isaiah connection, which is just really cool for me. Um, but Paul mentions, uh, you know, your feet, uh, your feet shod or clothed or covered uh, with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Uh, there's two parts to what he says, uh, peace and readiness. Uh, peace gives us sure footing in any situation. No matter what we encounter, we can know because of the gospel that we have peace with God. And therefore, no matter what we encounter in the world, uh, there's nothing that can destroy us. Like we talked about with the worn armor, there's an assurance and security even as we step into enemy territory. A second is readiness. And this readiness talks about keeping our eyes open for the opportunities that God has called us to. You're ready to go. Your, your shoe's not gonna be much use to you if you walk around with untied shoelaces, right? If you've got to be ready to run at a moment's notice, you've got to have those shoelaces tightened. You have to have it, you know, double knotted even, right? 
there's always open doors that God gives us to share. And the question is, will we have our eyes open and be ready to step through those doors that God has opened for us? The final piece of the armor uh, that Paul talks about is the sword of the Spirit. Uh, And this one's pretty easy to interpret uh, because Paul literally tells us right there in the verse what it is. Uh, It says, uh, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Scripture is powerful because like we read in Hebrews 4, uh, it is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating and dividing the soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The scripture cuts straight to the center of who we are. Um, It convicts us of sin. It shows us who God is. It lights a path in the darkness for us to follow. Uh, But the power of scripture is not how we use it or how eloquently we say it. The Bible has power because it is God's word. When how we repeat God's word isn't the important part. How well we do it, how beautiful we sound when we do it isn't the important part. Um, Isaiah, again, going back to Isaiah, uh, is anybody surprised at this point? <laughs> um, Isaiah makes that clear in Isaiah 55, 11. Um, so shall my word, this is God talking, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed for the thing which I have sent it. Even if you're not the most eloquent of speakers or capable of speakers, Moses felt like that in the Bible, right? The power of scripture is bigger than you or your speaking abilities. Uh, From personal experience, I know that I have had times where I've fumbled the ball, right? Maybe not the best analogy after yesterday's showing, but <laughs> I've had times where I've, I've stumbled over my words and my tongue just feels really heavy in my mouth. Anybody else get that experience when you're, when you're talking about who God is or trying to share scripture with someone who's not a Christian, all of a sudden your, your tongue feels like it weighs a ton? Um, even in those worst moments where I'm, uh, you know, if I was in my high school public speaking class, I would have all sorts of red notes on, on my assignment. Uh, God's word has a way of shining through and impacting people's hearts, even when we don't speak beautifully. Um, and so the power of scripture is God's word, not how we repeat it. One final itty bitty note. Uh, I know we don't usually carry swords here as a society in general. Um, I personally don't own any swords, but one thing I do know about swords, uh, and if you don't know this, uh, it's actually a really cool thing, Swords are not meant to be thrown. No one throws a sword, right? They're not arrows. They're not javelins. Uh, they're not meant to be shot back at the enemy. Um, it's an up-close, personal weapon. Um, everyone go ahead and put your feet on the ground. You, you can stay seated, but if you have your legs folded, I'm going to you know, make you uncomfortable. Sorry for readjusting you. Uh, put your feet about a foot apart, right? Uh, and look down at that space between your feet. That's your mission field. That's where God has called you to be. Wherever he has put you today, wherever your feet take you tomorrow, that is where God has called you to share his love, to share his service, to be in ministry wherever you are. Wherever your feet carry you, that is where God has called you to service. Um, God doesn't call some of us to the front lines to carry a sword and others to the back lines. And you, know, you have an arrow and a javelin that you can throw over the heads of the people on the front line. We're all called to share, to love, and to serve things we have to do firsthand, up close, and personal. 
it's going to be hard. There's going to be times where showing someone love that you don't want to show them love, it's going to be messy sometimes. It's going to hurt, and you can't do it from a distance. You have to do it up close and personal. And so wherever your feet are, equipped with the readiness of the gospel, that's where your ministry is, and we have an up close and personal sword to use in those situations. So one last time, let's get the uh, discussion questions up there on the screen. Uh, take a second to read through them. We'll talk about them as a table, uh, and then I'll call us back together, and we'll uh, close us out. So, you all know the drill.
Alrighty. Last time I'm going to bring the interruption, I promise. <laughs> I really hope these discussion questions were, were useful to you, were useful to your table. I hope that y'all got some good application points from it. Because at the end of the day, that's really what I'm hoping we can do with Scripture is apply it and see how it, how it affects our lives. Um, one thing I want to just make sure uh, we really focus on before we close uh, is just how this armor of God really is God's armor that he is wearing, that he gifts to us. We're following him along in the battle, right? And like we, we sang earlier, uh, he's fighting our battles for us, right? Um, one image uh, that, I, that really comes to mind as I think about this. So my dad, uh, I'm from Louisiana, uh, over there, everything is just mud, right? Like you build your house and it's built on mud uh, and houses start sinking. You know, you see houses like a foot of difference between one side of the house and the other side of the house. And his job, he comes in and he, he levels those houses, right? He brings it back up to level. Uh, and part of how that works is uh, you have to crib up the house. Uh, you have to take these wooden, you, you dig under the house and you take these, these long wooden pieces of cribbing uh, and, and you stick it under the house and you stack them up and make sure it all works. Uh, these pieces of cribbing are probably like four feet wide, uh, pretty big. And when I was a little kid, couldn't have been more than four or five years old, I'd go out to the job. Yeah, just a few years ago. <laughs> <laughs> this is just yesterday, actually. <laughs> um, when I'd go out to work with my dad, you know, he'd put on his big white boots to step in the mud, and I'd have my own little pair of white boots sitting next to him. And he'd go up and pick up the four-foot log of cribbing, and I would try to pick one up and couldn't. Uh, and so what he actually did is he, he took some pieces of cribbing, and he would cut them up into, like, pretty little segments, like, like, like one-foot segments, and be like, here, here's something you can carry around. Uh, while I do the work. And, you know, I thought I was doing so good. I thought, man, I'm carrying around this one foot piece of cribbing. It's going to be so useful for holding up this house. And now looking back on it, I'm like, man, that didn't do anything. <laughs> um, in the same way. Uh, but, but, but my dad would always look at me after every job and be like, man, we did a good job today, didn't we? And I'm the one carrying around the one foot piece of cribbing. I didn't do the good job. I'm not the one getting paid for, for the house getting leveled. The house leveling wasn't because of my contribution. And yet my dad, because he loved me, because he wanted to, me to learn how to do what he was doing, walked alongside me, gave me something manageable, gave me the boots that I could wear to keep myself from getting muddy, gave me the, even if it was little, even if it was just that one foot piece of cribbing, he gave it to me for me to carry along with him so I could learn to walk and do what he was doing. It's the same thing with the armor of God. He gives us his armor, and not because we're going to go out and fight a huge victory and go start swinging our sword around. Uh, rather, he gives us that armor so that we learn how to walk like he does, so that when we walk into dangerous areas, we, we don't get hit by those arrows that can hurt us. Um, he gives us a job to do in learning to walk like he walks. Um, so that's just the encouragement for today as you put on this armor of God. Know that you're clothing yourself in the image of the Father. You're learning to walk as he walks, even if it is with those tiny little white boots. Um, so let's pray uh, real quick, and uh, we'll be done for the day. I'm good to dismiss everyone. Any final announcements? One more song after this. Great. I'll pray, and we'll do one more song. Um, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for giving us protection uh, as we walk through the dangers of life, as we walk through enemy territory. 
Um, God, we're so glad to be part of your mission, part of your plan for what you're doing to change the world. We, we see the darkness around us, and we rejoice because we know that you haven't abandoned the world uh, to darkness. Um, and so, God, um, clothe us in your righteousness. Um, cover us with your salvation. Teach us what it means to prepare ourselves uh, to go out on the mission of sharing. Um, God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your faithfulness, even when we are not faithful. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.